Welcome to the Care to Change podcast. We are grateful to have you join us today. This month, we are talking about how men matter too in mental health. This episode will be a conversation about how men matter too as leaders. Thank you for being a part of this conversation as we hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux. As always, we are so glad that you've chosen to spend this time with us. This is a really important month for us. As you all know, June is a month where we celebrate fathers and men. And so we have created a new series that we're kicking off today called Men Matter Too. And so all month long, we're going to be talking with different men who are leaders in their own world, um, whether it's in the faith community or in the community, in churches. And today we have a special guest with us, Matthew Hoskinson, who is coming from New York. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a delight to be here. So um, Matthew is has been a church leader and is now a leader in the community. I'm going to allow Matthew to share a little bit about himself, but just to let you know, those of you who are, who are listening, we're going to have Matthew today. Next week, we have Luke Proctor from Plainfield Christian Church who's joining us. He's going to be talking about men as husbands. Then the following week, Matt Nickerson from Kingsway is going to be talking about men as fathers. And then the last week of the series, uh, the last week of June, we're going to be uh, having Aaron Brockett from Traders Point talking about men and men's mental health. So this month is a month full of wisdom from these great leaders that we have. And I'm just so thrilled and so honored that all of them have agreed to be on our show. And Matthew, I know that you are a busy man. Uh, you are a leader and you are a leader in your home. You're married and you have four children. So you lead a very busy life. And so tell us a little bit about you. Originally, you're not even from New York, you're from Michigan. And so what are you doing today? How did you get from Michigan? Just bring us up to speed the, the listeners so that they know who you are. Certainly. Uh, yes, I am a, a Detroiter. Uh, I, I, w- I was wearing my Detroit Tigers hat around Midtown Manhattan just yesterday. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, which these days doesn't mean a whole lot because the Tigers aren't that good. Uh, my family moved here in 2010, actually from South Carolina. Our uh, My wife, Kimberly, is also from the upper Midwest, from corn country in Illinois, We met in South Carolina, Uh, we're married in the year 2000, and then uh, I was uh, finishing seminary, I did a PhD in theology, um, but really wanted to go into pastoring before I went on to the training side of ministry. I I felt like the, the teachers I had who were most profoundly impactful for me were the ones who had gone out and been pastors and then came back to the academy. So that was the path I wanted to follow. Uh, I was ordained in a non-denominational church in South Carolina, served uh, as an intern, and then um, as pastor of youth and young adults. So it wasn't quite a mega church. It was like a 1,400-member church. So my oversight was nursery through college, which was 600 people. Um, And my main teaching was with the high schoolers, um, but I, I got to oversee that whole thing. And then at the same church, became the executive pastor, 
the curveball and all of that was I was diagnosed with cancer in 2008, um, went through chemo and radiation. And really after that, uh, Kimberly and I, why are we still in South Carolina? We never intended to be here. We had thought about going overseas uh, to serve in various capacities. And around that time, I found out about a church on the Upper West Side of Manhattan that was looking for a pastor. We thought this is a long shot, but sounds sounds right up our alley. And uh, so I became pastor there in 2010, which was a surprise. We brought three little girls with us, uh, thinking this is insane. And then God very graciously gave us another girl and then a boy. So <laughs> having five kids living in New York was not not our uh, not the way we drew it up. I uh, had a lot of challenges, but it was also just delightful. So now now our kids range in age from just finished sophomore year of college down to fifth grade. We have three close together, two close together. So we're about to have three in college in about a year and a half. So that'll be fun. And then uh, two currently in middle school. Yeah, so I, I pastored that church for uh, about eight years. Uh, frankly, I was burned out by the end of that. There, there's sort of what I like to call the prayer letter way of telling the story of what happened during those eight years. You know, the median age of the congregation dropped in half. The attendance grew, the membership grew, giving was way better. Like that, that's kind of the prayer letter way of telling the story. But the 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 what really was going on um just kind of crushed me inside, uh, led into a tremendous season of doubt and uh depression. I was unemployed after that for a little while, and then um a friend of mine was starting a church in Queens, so I went to go help him as his executive pastor. Uh, I lovingly refer to that six-month stretch as rehab church for me, which uh -huh. I very much needed. And uh, and then shortly thereafter, uh, I, the, the organization I currently work for, Redeemer City of the City, hired me to direct its uh, minister training program called the City Ministry Program. And that's what I've been doing since uh, the beginning of 2022. Wow. So, okay, there's so much in that um, and exactly the reason why you're the perfect guest for today's topic, men as leaders, because what you didn't share was that you're also a runner. So in the middle of all this, you run marathons. Uh, yes. And so you've got this life with all of these kids and um, moving from one state to another state, completely different culture. North Carolina is so different than New York, right? Mm -hmm. So you're experiencing a different sort of even culture from North Carolina to New York, you have, I mean, I would call it a health crisis. That's not a diagnosis anyone wants to get. And then this extreme burnout and going from Manhattan to Queens, another big shock, right? So mm -hmm. really interested in um, how did you, as you look back, I want to hear a little bit about what it is that you're doing in your current role, right? But I want to mm -hmm as you look back and you think about when you say, well, I was feeling burnout. And then I went through this stage. Did you know it at the time? Or do you look back now and say, oh my gosh, yeah, I was, did, did you know it was happening when it was happening? No, not immediately. Um, my wife did. I did not. Okay. I kept thinking, so this was, this was uh, to give a little more color to the church I was pastoring. This was a historic church, long history. Yes. predates the American Revolution. Okay, so when New York State was formed, 
the church was grandfathered in on certain laws because the church is older than the state of New York. It was New York colony. So it's, it's, it's an old church. Um, and it was also an old church in that the median age of the congregation was older, much older than I was at the time. Um, and so because of that, because of uh, financial strain on the church and on our family, uh, because of division within the congregation that I was trying to help navigate and lead through, I, for probably six or seven years, there were different moments where I felt like, I think we're just about to turn the corner. Yes. We're just about to turn the corner. Like we're right there. Like you could see it. And it really would be sort of a two steps forward, one and three quarter steps backward. You right. know? So just when I felt like we're going to get there. So I, I think by the time we got to 2017 or so, I, I was still at that, like, man, so much is like going really well right now. And we're, we're just almost there. And then that summer, the wheels fell off. There was really kind of unexpected uh, difficulties in the congregation. Um, the, the older members who are still there, which pretty much was all of them, there, there wasn't any big splits in the year I, I was there, which I'm very grateful for. Um, the only people who weren't there were those who had um, passed away and gone to heaven or had moved to a nursing home. Otherwise, all the original people were still there. But then there was this younger generation of people Right. Um, who were also there. And so there was this kind of intergenerational conflict between the two. And I was sort of like literally and figuratively right in the middle of that. And I kept thinking if if we if we could all just get together, like we're we're right on the cusp of something really big happening. Um, but then, like I say, there was this huge division in the church over an issue, which turned out to be like huge opposition to what I was thinking should be next. And in the middle of all of that, just on a personal level, my sister passed away mm -hmm. in April of 2017. Yeah. And she had fought cancer her whole adult life and uh, finally succumbed at the age of 45. Um, she and I were very close. And um, that summer, of course, I helped my parents settle all, all of my sister's affairs. Uh, that summer... Kimberly said to me, I think you're depressed and you don't realize it. Mm. And I said, well, I don't see it. Which, of course, was the point. <laughs> I couldn't see it. Right. Said, so, you know, but you, you're right, though. I probably should go see a counselor because I'm probably dealing with grief in ways I don't realize. Mm -hmm. And so the two of us went to see a counselor. She was really there to support me uh, in that conversation. And I think talking about my sister occupied the first maybe 60 seconds of that session. And then I spent the next 90 minutes talking about what I was going through as a pastor, as a leader. And um, I think in a sense, like Linda, Linda, my sister had been passing, she was in hospice and she, she had been sick, very sick for the last three years of her life. So there's a sense in which the, the grief of that process took years right. and it was like a relief that she was better now. Whereas I hadn't really talked to anyone about what I was going through as a leader and it just all came out and the counselor um, had also been a pastor. And so um, he, he 
could actually like pick up things and say, yeah, that's actually not right. This is mistreatment. You should not be handling. This is not what pastors do. And it it was disorienting and encouraging. And uh, I was crying. Kimberly just sat there the whole time, just crying as I was finally getting all of this out. Um, so yeah, uh, she saw it way before I did, and it was it was a critical turning point. Not only. Uh, for me sort of professionally or ministerially, but just for me personally to have a whole bunch of misconceptions of God, God's view of me, the church, what I'm supposed to be as a pastor, like all of those things just kind of came crumbling apart uh, in that year. And it was really a year for remaking, which was a, a, a beautiful thing. And, and with all of that, that was the first year I ran a marathon, 2017. Wow. So that, in a sense, was part of my therapy, right. just being outside, moving my body, doing something I'd never done before, mm -hmm. but also having a goal in front of me that was very different from anything I'd been doing anywhere else in my life. Um, and really, the, the, the reward and the benefit was for me and then by implication for those around me. But uh, yeah, that, that, that was a, it was a, a big year in my life. That's a, a yeah, and a and a physical outlet. So, when you when you talk about what it is that you've been walking through, and thank you, thank you for sharing that um, with us, and just the vulnerability, and just saying, hey, this is this is how it came to me. What I'm hearing is your wife saw the signs. Yes, and this is a question that we get asked a lot. We get asked about. Um, the idea of men as leaders, especially in the faith community, a lot of times, you know, in the faith community, we're built to have hope, right? And so you're on the cusp of seeing, okay, there's so much possibility and so much opportunity and we're in, and there can be change and I get to help navigate that. And so you, you as a leader are seeing that hope and you're also a husband and a father and you're experiencing life outside of that role as a leader that's that can be impacting you as a leader and your wife says you know I, I i think you might be experiencing depression we get asked a lot how do i quote get my husband to see what i'm seeing right and it's you say that just like yeah my wife saw it and so i called a counselor almost like Either there's such extreme humility and trust in what your wife is saying, or there might have been this internal, like, I can do it on my own. Um, I don't, I don't need help. I have God. Um, we have each other. So how did you, did, were you the, were you a person that's different than a lot of um, leaders that just took the, the comment from your wife and said, oh, okay, sure. I'll call. Or did you have to kind of walk? What made you actually say, yeah, I probably should call. It really was my sister passing away. I think if it was just the church stuff, I don't know that I would have gone to a counselor. I, mm -hmm. I just, I don't know that I would have. I, I thought, well, this is all manageable. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's difficult. I mean, you can think of the Bible verses, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, there, there are these verses that are really, uh, they're, they're great words related to grit and determination and resilience and persistence and so forth um but even a soldier gets paid time off you know <laughs> even soldiers 
have lengthy breaks or they're with their family. I think I was sort of so focused on, well, I've always heard ministry is hard. Therefore, this hardness is normal, right? I, I think I was just kind of locked in that mindset. Mm-hmm. And so when Kimberly said something to me about the state of my own mental health, again, if my sister hadn't passed away, that was really the thing that got me into counseling. I was like, well, I know enough about grief to know that we grieve in different ways. It shows up in different forms and we need help like to process what of this is normal, what is not normal. Like, so like that was really the thing that was like, yeah, I, okay. I think I should go see a counselor, but again, like once, so that got me in the room and then yes, a minute later, I'm talking about all the stuff that's really going on. Right. Right. Which is, which is what we see. It's so common. We have a lot of um, faith leaders uh, who come and faith leader wives, um, uh, faith leaders who are wives. And that's what we hear a lot. There's some breaking point, something that happens. And then it's almost out of curiosity or, okay, that's fine. I'll do this to take care of me. Or maybe, you know, the, the church board requires it sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like you need this, we're going to give this to you. Um, maybe it's a part of a sabbatical, that kind of thing. And, and, mm-hmm. and they'll come in super guarded because being on stage, there's an element of constant feedback that lends itself to someone being guarded. Mm-hmm. Like you said, just within moments, it's just, this is what's really happening. And this is what's, and the idea of men, you know, because you're called to lead, um, Matthew, you've gone through all of this training. I want to talk about how you've shifted over more into community work out of the church, but there's when it's a driven when it's part of you as a person who's driven and there are scriptures that sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, reinforce this idea of grit and being a good soldier, you know, for the kingdom and all of that. If it hadn't have been for your sister, you know, looking back, I, I guess it's not really fair to say, would you have, would you have called someone? I'm sure that there are other things that you did during that time as well to take care of you. What would you say to to men who are in this position where, you know, they're just digging into the grit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe their wives are saying, hello, mm-hmm. you're also a husband. You're also a dad. You're also, um, you know, a family, a brother, you know, a son, all of these other roles that men play. Um, what would you, what would you say to the men who are in this spot and the women who are listening right now, mm-hmm. uh, not to wait for some major loss like you experienced so two different ways to answer this question mm-hmm. one is just speaking out of my own experience um there are certain warning signs that i would want men who are in leadership to be aware of mm-hmm. one would be like anger fantasies mm-hmm. um I, I like sometimes i think of them as mic drop conversations Mm-hmm. Like if, if I get lost in mic drop conversations or like if I'm in conflict with someone that I'm leading or someone on my team and my anger fantasies or my mic drop conversations are, you know, the next time I see that person, they're going to say this and I'm going to say this and they're going to say this and I'm going to say this and they're going to say this and I'm going to say that and boom, I win. the Right. Like, 
that's a warning sign. Okay. If that's where my mind is constantly going, like I want to be aware of that. Uh, another one that I don't think I was clued in on, can I be present with the people I love? Can, can I be present with my kids playing a game of bananagrams? Mm-hmm. Can I be present with my wife uh, on date night? Can I be present with a friend, you know, meeting up for coffee or whatever? Or or am I constantly like elsewhere, like being a soldier, so to speak? Right. Um, and then the third one, this, I don't know if this is, I don't know how to articulate this. This helps me. A, a warning sign for me is if, if God is my employer, not my father. Mm. So one of the sentence prayers I pray as a regular part of like a deep breathing exercise is, I'm a child of God, not an employee of God. Wow. And and that's that's one that I can just bring to my bring to mind at any point through the day, no matter even the middle of a conversation like this. Mm-hmm. Um, just calling back to mind what really is true about my relationship with God. Uh, and that is that he delights in me as a child. He's not treating me like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on the production line at a Toyota factory, like make sure you get this right. Um and by the way, you're getting a performance review this year. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's the hard thing about ministry. You never get one, you know, right. right? <laughs> Sometimes you kind of wish you did. <laughs> you, you get um, it every week when you get the, the feedback cards, right? That's so true. So true. But the, the, the thing that I will, that I tell leaders proactively to do, um, I'll often, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've said this, there are four different types of resources that pastors ought to have personal human resources that pastors and and people in leadership male or female ought to have one is a consultant mm. and i i'll tell people you almost never need a consultant okay there there might be times i'm i'm kind of sorry consultants out there um <laughs> There may be times you need a consultant who can come in with fresh eyes and tell you what needs to be what you need to be doing in ministry. I'm not always so sold on it, but okay. There might be times where you need a consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, two, um, a coach. A coach is another one. I I think leaders need coaches more often than they need consultants. A good coach will help you get unstuck when you're in a project. So if if you're if you're leading a big change, if you're if you're about to embark on a building campaign and you're trying to figure out how to raise the money for this thing, if you are going through a transition in leadership roles, like hiring a coach for like three months or six months to help you walk through it is really great. And the difference between a coach and a consultant is a consultant will tell you what to do. A coach will ask you really good questions so that you figure out what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um Third is a therapist or a counselor. Mm-hmm. You need a therapist. I think leaders need therapists or counselors more often than they need coaches. Mm-hmm. And therapists and counselors can are there looking at your mental wellness, your emotional well-being, uh, and especially a lot of, I find that a lot of leaders and especially men in leadership just kind of forget about themselves and just focus on what they do. And so their own wellness suffers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, maybe not all the time, 
but probably more often than a coach, uh, a leader needs a therapist. And the fourth is a spiritual director. I have a spiritual director. And to me, a spiritual director is you always have a spiritual director. And you're, you're, you talk to a spiritual director once a month. And their sole role is to nurture your soul, your spirit, what's going on between you and God. So uh, my spiritual director lives in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He's a retired bishop. And I know when I get on a call with him, um, he is just going to ask about me. He's he's interested in everything else in my life, leadership, family, ministry, all of that. But he's hearing for, he's listening for the Spirit's voice and what's going on in me. And he's concerned about my spiritual care mm-hmm. and well-being. Um, and so having, in my mind, like having a really good spiritual director He'll he'll point out he'll be another voice pointing out oh you you really need to see a counselor about this mm-hmm. you can't handle this particular one alone mm-hmm. um, so that can be an, an added voice to say a spouse who's seeing some things and like oh. mm-hmm. that, that that's where I, I find having that kind of consistent conversation with the spiritual director um, can nurture the other relationships when they're needed. So this is such good wisdom. I'm I'm literally taking notes um, as you're talking. So this is such great wisdom. Um, and that was sort of leading into how, how do you care for yourself? These four elements that, um, you know, any, any leader really would benefit from having uh, all mm-hmm. four of those. Are there other, and, and of course you run marathons. So you're caring for your physical health, you know, as well in the middle of this how are there other ways that you take care of yourself now differently than maybe you you had in the past? I'm learning to say no more, mm-hmm. which yeah. is really really hard. Yeah, I, I, I'm. If I got a performance review on that, I'm probably getting like a C minus, yeah. which might be an improvement. Um, but I, I and I just had a conversation with uh, a faith leader yesterday who is in a different country, completely different environment. But his story yesterday just helped clarify for me that if if you're a person who says yes to too many things, you probably need to get more clarity about your particular calling in life. Mm. Like what is it that God has put you here for? Maybe your life verse should be what John the Baptist says in John chapter three, I am not the Messiah. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> It's this great, like, hyper obvious statement. And yet, I think many leaders could stand to put that at the top of their to do list. I am not the Messiah. Yes. Uh, I, I have a specific calling. I have only so many hours and only so much energy. And the older I get, the less hours and the less energy I have. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, so I make it a regular practice um, once a week to review like i have i have this tool that i've developed from from a number of other tools but it's kind of like personalized for me where i just walk through like what is my reason for being why am i here mm-hmm. who am i with when am i living and how does that where am i living how does that impact mm-hmm. all the stuff that i'm doing and i i force myself to rewrite it every couple of years i'm in the, a rewrite currently but then i review it every week and I try to like think about 
the requests that come in, the opportunities that are there, and just continue like narrowing that focus down, realizing I can't do everything that I might even want to do. Mm-hmm. But the narrower that focus is, the easier it is for me to say no, because it just doesn't fit within what I think God is calling me to do. Amazing. So that was my next question, how you keep your priorities you know, in check when you have all of these roles that you're sort of a part of or responsible for. Um, that's, and so you literally re- review this every couple of weeks or every week? Every week. It's about part of my Monday morning routine. Well, so you've just built this in um, to your, that's, that's great. Um, there are- generally, I take about an hour mm-hmm. and the first 20 minutes or so I review the last week and I literally with a pen and paper write down what am I proudest of from the last week? What were my biggest wins? And I write all that down. I review like what were my three big goals for last week? How did I do? What did I then I then what did I learn last week about myself, about life, about whatever? Write it down. And then that's when I move to, okay, who am I again? And so I'll go through that whole document. I'll, I'll even sort of read it out loud, mutter it under my breath, just so I'm hearing it, reminding myself I'm editing as I'm going like, oh, you know, actually, I think what I mean here is I'm constantly honing that thing. I spend 15 minutes on it and then I'll spend about 20 minutes saying, okay, now this week, what's on my calendar? What are the projects that are due? Who am I meeting up with? Um, what what are the what are some big goals in life that I want to make advance and some advance on? What are my constraints? I mean, being a parent, you have constraints. So like, what are the constraints? Like right now, I coach little league baseball. Yes, I love coaching little league baseball. But my goodness, what a constraint on my time it is. <laughs> but that's that's parenthood. That's it's a happy choice to do that. But I need to like think about that at the beginning of a week to say. I can't expect to get 10 big things done when there's little league practice on Tuesday night and games on Saturday. Like I'm just not going to have the hours. So let's bring it in and and try to try to make this a little more manageable. So when you've scheduled things that don't fit with who you are, what you believe your calling is, when it would fit into your next week's uh, what you might do differently. You didn't say what you would do differently. You just said, yes, I was proud of, but I'm guessing, mm-hmm. well, probably couldn't, shouldn't have, or, or could have said no to this. Um, do you ever look at your week and then say, I'm going to need to cancel these? Or do you say, okay, I'm going to learn that I said yes to this and I won't say yes to it later. Yeah. Generally speaking, I stick with a commitment if it's on my calendar. Yeah and try to learn from it. Uh, I, I, I use, I've, I've started using scheduling software where people can, you know, if someone wants to meet up, it's like, here, look at this calendar, pick a time that works for you. One thing I wish that the calendar I use could do is like limit the number of meetings I have. Yes. Um, and like, not just count the meetings that it's generating, but also the other meetings on my calendar Right. to limit it to so many so that I have chunks of time for other things. Um, but that's, that's a work in progress to be sure. Yeah. So to all the app developers out there, create one that gives us a, a max number of meetings per day or per week. So in one of the books I read, it said something about not having more than a certain number of meetings per week or mm-hmm. like four a day or whatever the number was. And I thought that would be like heavenly if yes, <laughs> yes. 
And then it's like, well, who says yes to all the other ones anyway? Um, so yeah. it would be take responsibility for that, right? But <laughs> so what are some ways that Kimberly, um, your wife, has been supportive of you for the women who are are listening um, and saying, wow, I'm going to definitely do the church church elbow. Um, hey, hu- husband, you should elbow, elbow, listen to this podcast um, these four things that you don't have any of these. And I think it would be helpful, which is sort of wink, wink for, I wish that you'd get a therapist, but what are some ways that Kimberly has been supportive to you and in this process, as you've really walked through learning, um, you know, the things that the four things that you said, every, every leader needs. And then this process that you do to to bring you back to center and keeping your priorities in check. What, what are some ways she has been helpful in that process? I mean, I think first and foremost is, is her prayer for me and letting me know what she's praying for me. And then of course, when we have time to pray together, which honestly has been just really difficult. It's, it's not easy to, for mm-hmm. us to have a lot of time I'll read books on marriage and like, oh yeah, if you don't pray with your wife every day, then you have a terrible marriage. I'm like, well, <laughs> that one, I think I've failed miserably. Right. Um, but um, there is, there is such a sweet joy and communion in uh, being able to pray together. But I, I also know that her, her prayer for me has been, you know, wind in the sails for me in ways that I, I might never never know or realize. So I would certainly start there. Um, She takes an incredible interest um, in what I do, even in some of the more mundane parts. And she'll ask questions about things that open up my perspective. um, Because I might, A, I might completely misread a situation, or B, I might see it one way just so clearly and her questions or observations will help me see it in a different way Mm -hmm. uh, or like give an alternate explanation for somebody else's actions Um, that's that's a really really special gift that you know i I think one of the one of the gifts of marriage is it is like um with the analogy of of having two eyes like because we have two eyes like we, we could see things with one eye, but we lack the dimension and perspective. Um, and so for the two of us to look at something, we get a better idea of like what actually is, is there. So that, that's been really useful for me. I will say like one of the big reasons I think leaders, especially leaders, especially pastors who are male, should have a spiritual director is far too often their wives become the pastor for the pastor which is yeah uh, a recipe for disaster for both of you right um and i and this is something my spiritual director has talked to me about um Mm. and and especially in those years when i was pastoring on the upper west side he's described it he said it sounds like kimberly like you were trying to make kimberly your pastor to pastor you through this is that her role is that what she's there for it's like well no, but functionally, you're right. Like this is, this is, this is what um, what I've done. So I think another area that's been really supportive, um, where Kimberly's been really supportive for me, has been like freeing me for some of these other relationships, like with a spiritual director or happy hour with a friend or something like that. 
mm-hmm. where she's supportive of those relationships, realizing like for my my health, my mental well-being, I need those relationships, those peer relationships that are not work or, or ministry oriented just as much as she does. And I, I try to, you know, return the favor as well to say, oh, you know, mm-hmm. you want to meet up with Suzanne, for, you know, for that or whatever. Um, so I think supporting one another's relationships, supporting one another, my, my wife has a job as well. Mm-hmm. So um, being aware of what her life is like, the challenges of her work supporting and loving and caring for her as well um yeah so a lot of it really does come down to communication just carving out time where we can just talk um we we were joking with our oldest child the other day that parenthood is a series of disruptions (laughs) like from the time the first child is born yes it's just everything is disrupted and so we were joking that once our last child leaves we're going to start finishing all the conversations that we began in 2003 and just kind of work through all of them. <laughs> and by then you'll be tired and just want it to be quiet. <laughs> exactly. You just sit quiet because no one's saying, mom, dad, mom. Right. Dad. Uh, what were we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do think like those, those opportunities to just ask open-ended questions and and listen and be present for the others is so, so important. And I love that you said too, that she went with you. She didn't send you. Yeah. Hey, you need to go. She went with you. Uh, and there's yeah. witness that's just so powerful in, in relationship. So um, that's, that's really neat. So, okay. Um, I, I want to hear about where you are. Tell everyone if they want to connect with you. I want to ask you if there have been any resources that have been particularly helpful that we can include in the show notes as well, links to those resources. But I want to hear about your current endeavor. And if someone wants to get a hold of you, um, how would they, what's the best way for them to connect with you? So tell us about city to city and tell us about your, um, how to connect with you and resources that you recommend. Sure. Well, city to city exists to start and strengthen churches in the global cities of the world. Um, It started here in New York. Uh, It's a ministry that was spun out of Redeemer Presbyterian Church, uh, which was started by Tim Keller, Tim and Kathy back in 1989. The the organization sort of has a global arm and a New York arm. Mm -hmm. Um, The global arm works with cities like London and Dubai and leaders there to see gospel movement in those places. I work on the New York side. The New York team has two big departments. One is church planting, which I have nothing to do with because I'm not a person who starts churches. <laughs> that's good for everyone that that I don't do that. The other is leadership development. And that's what I get to oversee in this program called the City Ministry Program. It's a non-accredited certificate granting program with courses in leadership, preaching, pastoring, and mission. I get to do a fair amount of teaching in it, but my main job is helping architect the program, bringing experienced practitioners from around the city, put them in small cohort environments with people who are either in ministry or preparing to serve in some kind of Christian leadership, and really create a catalytic uh, environment where it's not merely academic, like here's seven things to do in this situation or four things you need to know from this passage. 
but really it is contextualized training that lets that helps leaders understand the questions they should be asking and then we help guide them through they're finding their own answers that make sense in their ministry, in their neighborhood, and in, in their community. So I, I love what I get to do. I spent a whole day with my team yesterday reviewing this past year, looking forward to next year. Um, we see we, it's such a mix of people. Uh, we'll, we'll have, you know, Pentecostals from the South Bronx in class with Messianic Jewish missionaries from Brooklyn, with a Southern Baptist, South Indian wow. church planter in queens all in the same room being taught by an anglican priest wow. about preaching and so it really is like there's peer-to-peer -peer catalytic learning as people are learning about one another's contexts but then the instructor is guiding them along the way and helping them take certain ideas and see now what would this look like for you it won't look the same for the person in the bronx as it does for the one in brooklyn but it's the same gospel that we're carrying. So we're we're learning together, growing together, and then sharing what we have with one another. Uh, is that is it bound to church leaders or is it faith any faith leader? Any faith leader. So we have campus ministers. We have we have one student who came in and just took one course because she had started a. Um, an online Bible study. She would email, like I think it was like a weekly Bible study email she would send out to women. And it kind of blew up and she was starting to get speaking requests. So she came to us and said, I've never spoken before. This is not, <laughs> that's not my gig. Um, but I, she's like, but I really want to go to these places and meet these women. And, um, and so she took our preaching course just so that she could feel equipped to do that very specific thing. So we have a, a wide variety of, of students, some ordained, many not ordained, not seeking ordination. It's really trying to serve different faith communities around the city. And what is the website if someone wants to connect and learn more? Yeah, the website for our program is citytocity.nyc slash cmp. That's city ministry program. So C-I-T-Y-T-O-C-I-T-Y dot N-Y-C dot C-M-P or slash C-M-P. We'll put that in the show notes too, so that people can connect resources. Give your, give us your one or two or three, your top go-to that these have been staples to you as you've walked this leadership journey. Certainly. Uh, well, the other thing I'll mention to answer your other question, then I'll come to this one. Um, you can you can find me. Uh, I blog at matthewhoskinson.com. I do both coaching and spiritual direction myself. So if there are leaders out there who are looking, wanted to explore that conversation, I'm happy to have kind of an initial contact uh, via. You can just contact me through that website. You can find me on social media. Generally, it's Rev Dr. Matthew at Rev Dr. Matthew on Twitter and Facebook and all the LinkedIn. Instagram. If anyone uses any of those anymore, I'm not sure. Right. Um, I have not gotten into TikTok. I just, I, I don't get it. Like, right. I'm, I'm too old. So I'm like, go for it, kids. Yeah. So as far as resources, one that is just remarkable is this study done by the Center for Ministry Leadership at Covenant Seminary. Uh, the 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 resource is called Sustaining Fruitful Ministry. 
and it's written by Dr. Bob Burns. It's about a 60, 65 page report on the state of pastoral life uh, in uh, the U.S. And uh, it walks through a five different themes and uh, how they intersect in a leader's life and can either create fruitfulness or might be signs of, of barrenness or dryness. Uh, so it walks through spiritual formation, self-care, emotional and cultural intelligence, marriage and family, and leadership and management. It's a free PDF. You can download it. Just Google uh, Sustaining Fruitful Ministry, Bob Burns. You'll find the PDF, but it's a free resource from Covenant Seminary, and it's a great little diagnostic uh, for any leaders going through these things. Yeah, I mean, if it would be helpful, I'm happy to share the tool that I use for that weekly review. Uh, I can share a link with that. It's just a Google Doc. So uh, if someone wanted to kind of see or walk through the kinds of questions I'm asking myself, they'd be welcome to make a copy and they could have it for themselves. For the leader's soul, probably the best thing I've read recently is, it's a little nerdy, but it's really good. It's a book called Come Creator Spirit by an Italian fellow, Raniero Cantalamesa. It's it's long, and like I say, it's a little nerdy, but it's essentially a commentary on a medieval hymn about the Holy Spirit, of that name, Come Creator Spirit, and it goes through the work of the Spirit as described in that hymn, and it is beautiful. Every chapter has a sort of biblical reflection, like what Bible verses feed into this, then there's a, a historical reflection, the author is Roman Catholic, so... It, but he doesn't limit his sources to Roman Catholic theologians. He'll quote Orthodox, he'll quote Luther, he'll quote Pentecostals. It's it's really remarkable. But then the, the real gold is not just those kinds of explanations, but the end of each chapter is like, what does what difference does this make in our lives that the Holy Spirit is this or does this for the believer? It's really beautiful. And then the last book uh, I'll mention is uh, a great book for leaders. Steve Cuss, who's another pastor in Denver, uh, has this book called Managing Leadership Anxiety. Oh, yes. Yes. Fabulous, fabulous book. I've actually, I'm actually a certified coach with him now on okay. these materials. Uh, if, if this is, if that's all kind of a new topic, Steve Cuss's book is a good place to start. Okay, great. Well, okay, we'll put these um, links to these three resources. And if you want to share the tool, that would be amazing. Um, I was going to ask you offline, but now you've said it online. So I was going <laughs> to say, hey, send me that tool if you're willing to share. Um, that's These are great. Um, and we'll put the link to both your blog and City to City in the show notes as well so that people can learn more about that. And we'll definitely refer um, others to you and leaders to you as we see leaders that care to change. Matthew, something I've always um, know well for 25 years known of you is the humility that you and really your whole family um, walks with. You live your life with such humility and 
just so clear in this conversation today. And, um, you know, you never know in doing these kind of interviews where people are going to go. And I just really appreciate the humility that you bring and just the solid leadership principles that you've shared with us today um, have been helpful to me. I'm looking forward to um, side elbowing my my own husband and saying, hey, Randy, uh, pay attention to this, but also sharing this with others as we see lots of faith leaders in our office. And this will be a great tool, unlike a lot of the, this is different than any other podcast that we've done. So Thank you so much for your time, for saying yes to this, because I know, especially now, knowing that you, you know, gauge this um, every week and you still said yes. So I appreciate that so much um, for your time. Truly honored. It's been a delightful conversation. Say hello to Kimberly. And for those of you listening, join us next week as we continue the conversation with Luke Proctor from Plainfield Christian Church. He talks about men as husbands. So he gets more into the topic of, of how to be a good husband and how his wife has helped him along the path of him being a husband. It's, it's a, such a fun conversation as well. You won't want to miss that. Um, continue to join us in our series. And if you have questions, if you're struggling, I really want to encourage you to reach out. We say it often, it doesn't have to be care to change, but please reach out. Um, if you or your spouse is struggling, you see some of the signs offer to go with, um, that witness is so powerful because we really are, it's not, if it's when we experience challenge and hardship in life, that's the human experience. And I love what Matthew said today about having two eyes for perspective, um, having another person does give that, that deepening perspective. And so, please reach out. Uh, Don't wait until there's a crisis. Those that you love will be grateful that you're caring for yourself, um, that you're taking the strength and the time and really caring enough about them to care for them, to to care for yourself. So thank you so much, uh, Matthew, for being here. Please join us again next week. Let us know what questions you have, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in today's episode. You can follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube to hear more about our conversation topics. If you have any questions from this episode or would like to hear more, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at caretochange.org. We hope you found this episode helpful and invite you to join us for more of our podcast conversations.